You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, November 3rd. I'm Portia Cook. And I'm Kira McKinley. And you're tuned into KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Lee Zimbel goes over campus news with information on a drag show hosted by the House of Ovis. Then Portia covers local news with updates in Larimer County's restaurant inspections. After that, Portia reports on music, entertainment, and events news with information on the death of rapper Takeoff. Then you'll hear an interview with Kira McKinley and Asa Gomez about mental health. Then McKinley goes over environmental news with updates on Jackson, Mississippi's water crisis. After that, I go over national news with updates on the legalization of marijuana. Then stay tuned as Ewan Pert goes over updates in CSU sports. And to conclude today's show, I take a look at what Fort Collins has in store for the weather this week. The following Rocky Mountain Review News broadcast was pre-recorded on Wednesday, November 2nd. Let's move right into campus and local news. I'm Lee Zimpel reporting your campus news for Wednesday, November 2nd. Over the Halloween weekend, numerous drag queens, drag kings, and breaking bags, Walter White could be found at the Grand Ballroom in the Lori Student Center. Students wearing Halloween costumes gathered on Sunday at Colorado State University for the drag show hosted by a new club on the campus of the House of Ovis. The events acted as a fundraiser for the center and as a place of support for the CSU's LGBT plus community. The drag show ran for about three hours, but the energy stayed high all throughout. Between performances, there was a Q&A with a professional local drag queen and a costume contest in which students were able to have their own brief moment on stage. Walter White won the audience's vote. Past drag shows have typically been free, though tickets this time were $2 each. However, that didn't stop students from showing up and filling the Grand Ballroom with support and energy. The deadline for submitting your ballot for Colorado's 2022 general election is around the corner. Election day is November 8th, which is Tuesday next week. Some offices up for election include our state, house, and county representatives. More information about the offices up for election can be found on the Colorado Secretary of State website, where there is also information available specifically tailored to students interested in voting. In other campus news, the Laurie Student Center Theater will be hosting a documentary screening of The Truth Behind Mail-In Voting a film produced and edited by CSU professors Jesse Grace and Steve Weiss on Thursday, November 3rd. Event details are available on the CSU Upcoming Events Calendar website. Thank you for joining me for CSU Campus News Updates. I'm Lee Zimpel. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU. Now moving on to local news. I'm Portia Cook reporting your local news for Thursday, November 3rd. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is asking residents not to leave their pumpkins outside of their property. According to the agency, leaving pumpkins outside habituates wildlife to humans and can attract animals like deer. And what do deer attract? Predators. Predators like mountain lions and bears. This is especially important since it's the time of year when predators are trying to pack on extra calories as they head into denning season. So what can you do with your pumpkins you no longer need? Well, for starters, livestock love them. Most livestock, including horses, cattle, sheep, and goats, find them palatable. If you can't find a farm near you willing to take your pumpkins, you can compost them. According to the city of Fort Collins, pumpkins can be composted in a backyard compost system or through a local compost company. The following companies are currently accepting pumpkins. Common Good Compost, serving Fort Collins, Greeley, Windsor, and Loveland, and Compost Queen, Northern Colorado. Additional information on these composting sites can be found on the city of Fort Collins website at fcgov. In other news, Fort Collins restaurant inspections are in, with eight CSU restaurants passing inspection and one requiring reinspection. 
Restaurant inspections for the week of October 20th through October 26th resulted in a handful of Larimer County restaurants receiving a passing ranking. Eight of the restaurants that passed inspection were based out of CSU. These restaurants included CSU Stadium Restaurants Aggie Grill, Foco Dogs, West and South, Mount Mac, and Taste of Colorado. Spoon Soup and Salad and Ram Skeller, which are both located in the Lori Student Center, also received a passing food inspection rating. Panda Express, which is also located in the Lori Student Center, is the latest CSU restaurant to receive a passing score in the most recent restaurant inspection performed. As for the restaurants that will require reinspection, Lucille's Restaurant, located off Meldrum Street in Fort Collins, failed inspection due to improper use of restriction and exclusion, inadequate hand washing sinks, inadequate food separation and protection, improper cooling time and temperatures, raw and undercooked food, and improper identification of toxic substance use and storage. All of Lucille's violations were corrected by October 25th. CSU's Aggie Girl Northeast, located in the CSU Stadium, will also require reinspection. Aggie Girl Northeast failed inspection due to the person in charge and present not demonstrating knowledge and performing duties, improper washing and unclean hands, improper cleaning and sanitation of food contact surfaces, and the inability to provide an accurate food storage thermometer. All of the violations were corrected on site on the day of the inspection. An interior and accurate food storage thermometer was provided on October 28th. Additional information on food inspections as well as specific restaurant information can be found on the Larimer County website at larimercounty.gov. In other news, the Board of Larimer County Commissioners proclaimed the week of November 7th through 13th as Operation Greenlight for veterans who have earned our gratitude and support for their service to our nation. Operation Greenlight is a national collaborative spearheaded by the National Association of Counties, or NACO. According to Larimer County Veterans Services Officer Lee Cooper, Operation Greenlight got its name from the airborne soldiers on a mission who wait to jump out of a military aircraft when the light inside the aircraft turns green, signaling it's time for them to go. Cooper told Larimer County, quote, By illuminating county buildings in green over the week of Veterans Day, we want to show all 20,000 veterans and their families in Larimer County that their service mattered, that we're grateful for their sacrifices, and it is now our turn to make sure they're served by their county government and their community, end quote. Larimer County is inviting the community to change one light to green inside their home or outside on a front porch or at a business between November 7th and 13th, symbolizing your support for veterans in our community. The Larimer County Administrative Services Building located at 200 West Oak Street in Fort Collins and the Larimer County Loveland Campus at 200 Peridot Avenue will be lit up after dark with green energy saving LED lighting. Timers will turn on the green lights at dusk and off during the daylight hours. Anyone looking for veteran resources and support can find more information on the Larimer County Veterans Service Office webpage at larimercounty.gov veterans. That's all for your local news. I'm Portia Cook, and I'll be right back with your music events and entertainment news after the break. Hey, it's DJ Stang, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.
I'm Portia Cook, and I'm back with your music events and entertainment news. Local Fort Collins musician Cameron Oliver may have temporarily departed from Northern Colorado to complete his music degree at Berkeley University, but he's back now, and he's back for good. Cameron took all that he has learned over the last several years at school and has applied it to his self-recorded album titled Staying In, which will be released later in December. In other music news, the music world is mourning the death of rapper Takeoff. Takeoff, who is one-third of the platinum-selling rap group Migos, was shot and killed early Tuesday morning in Houston, Texas. Takeoff, whose real name is Kershnik Kari Ball, was just 28 years old. Witnesses told police that Takeoff, along with Migos group member Quavo, were participating in a dice game when an argument took place, leading to the shooting. Houston Police Department Chief Troy Finner said at a news conference on Tuesday, quote, I got many calls from Houston and outside of Houston, and everyone spoke of what a great young man he is, how peaceful he is, and what a great artist he is. Finner later said, quote, Takeoff was very well respected and nonviolent. I would not expect him to be involved. We would have no reason to believe that he was involved in anything criminal at the time, end quote. As of now, the investigation is ongoing and a suspect has not been identified. Takeoff, who was born in Lawrenceville, Georgia, began performing as Migos in 2008 with fellow rapper Offset and with his uncle and fellow rapper Quavo, who was alongside him the night of his murder. The trio found fame with their 2013 single Versace, followed by Bad and Bougie in 2016 and Walk It Like I Talk It in 2018. In other music news, Taylor Swift is making history as the first artist to take the top 10 spots on Billboard's Hot 100. All 10 songs in the Hot 100's top 10 are from Taylor Swift's newest album titled Midnight's, which was released October 21st on Public Records. Taking the number one spot is her single titled Anti-Hero. Fresh on the heels of her making history, Taylor Swift also announced a new tour. Taylor took to social media to say, quote, I'm enchanted to announce my next tour, Taylor Swift, The Heiress Tour, a journey through the musical eras of my career, past and present. The first leg of the tour will be in stadiums across the U.S. with international dates to be announced as soon as we can, end quote. The U.S. leg of the Eras Tour kicks off in the spring. In events news, to help kick off Native American Heritage Month on Friday, November 4th, the American Indian Sciences and Engineering Society powwow, drum groups, and dancers will perform as a preview to the following day's events on November 5th. The powwow performance will take place on November 4th in the Lori Student Center Plaza from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. ISIS will headline the second performance on Saturday, November 5th in the Center Grand Ballroom of the LSE. November 5th's powwow will feature a powwow from 10 o'clock a.m. to 10 o'clock p.m., a grand entry from 1 p.m. and again at 7 p.m., and a no-cost powwow feed at 5 o'clock p.m. Community members, students, and staff are encouraged to attend the no-cost event featuring dancers, drum groups, food, vendors, special events, and more. The upcoming powwow events are co-hosted by the Native American Cultural Center in partnership with Associated Students of CSU and RAM events to present the annual ISIS powwow. The Native American Heritage Month events calendar and additional information can be found on the Native American Cultural Center's website at nacc.colostate.edu. Looking for more things to do? You can find the latest and most up-to-date daily local events at kcsufm.com on the events calendar. That's all for your music, events, and entertainment news. I'm Portia Cook. And now an interview with Kira McKinley and Asa Gomez on mental health. Hi, I'm Kira McKinley and you're listening to KCSU. Today in the studio, we have Ashley Boyton and also interviewing with us, we have Asa Gomez. 
Hi, um, my name is Ashley Boynton. Um, I am a licensed psychologist. I've worked for many years in college student mental health, um, and I currently have a private practice not too far from CSU. That's wonderful. And kind of one of our first questions for you, what are some of the most prevalent mental health issues you've seen within like recent generations? You know, are there any that have been really ramping up? What have you been noticing? Hmm. Well, honestly, I don't know that I've been doing this long enough to see too many generations. <laughs> um, but I, I do notice, um, you know, I think especially since COVID has come on the scene, um, a lot of struggles related to um, isolation, loneliness. Um, certainly that can be something that makes mental health issues like depression or anxiety a lot worse. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I work with a lot of people on struggles and motivation, and I think these times uh, are, are tough times. And um, so when stressors increase, you know, it, it oftentimes makes... Uh, make struggles worse. Uh, so if I have seen a trend in that direction, there's been a lot more need for mental health care. Um, and people do seem to be struggling a bit more these days. With that, um, you said that like some of these issues like isolation and all that are adding on to people's previous mental health issues. Um, is that you said that's due to COVID? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I think people can experience isolation for a number of different reasons. But um, I mean, certainly, I know I've experienced yeah. some isolation due to COVID. It's not quite as bad now um, as it was a couple years ago. But I think there's still all kinds of ways people are limiting or limited in the activities they can participate in, uh, in the ways they can socialize and get to know people. You know, I know at CSU, um, many courses have gone back to in-person, but many are still online. And um, there's just ways that, uh, at least for right now, the way we go about life has changed and, and changed in a way where we're not um, meeting as many people and we're not given quite as many opportunities to make connections that could support us. More specifically, what would you say... Uh, what mental illnesses would you say impact students' schoolwork the most? Hmm. Um, well, I think uh, many mental illnesses can impact schoolwork. Uh, and honestly, you know, I sometimes have people come and see me and, and um, they don't have like a severe mental illness and they're still struggling uh, with motivation. They're still struggling to find the energy to get to class. Um, I mean, definitely uh, if someone's struggling with depression, that can really impact motivation. It can really impact energy levels. It impacts concentration. So um, all of those things can, can mean that uh, performance in class takes a ding. Um, certain types of anxiety can also really um, play a role. You know, if someone has anxiety around test taking, um, if someone has anxiety around performance in class, um, sometimes that can create a situation where, uh, you know, they, they want to be performing at a certain level and they just can't. Yeah, that's great. And then for those who are struggling with those things, especially in school, do you have anything advice, like any advice for them specifically? Yes. Um, so, you know, I first and foremost, I will say uh, I just really want to normalize um, seeking out therapy. Uh, I think especially if you're struggling with something like depression or anxiety, or even if you feel really stuck in uh, a certain thought pattern or, or wishing you could 
you could act differently than you are. Um, you know, I think uh, seeing a therapist and really working with someone who's got your back to figure that out um, can be just massively helpful. Um, I think beyond that, um, you know, I really always encourage people to pay attention to what resources are available to them and how they're using those resources. Um, so I will give a little plug for self-care, even though I think that gets overused sometimes, you know, it's like, is your environment failing you, you know, try some self-care. Um, but I think that paying attention to, you know, um, how you're eating, are you exercising, are you getting enough sleep, um, is substance use impacting your mood, your motivation, um, you know, just like really looking at all of those things, as well as paying attention to, you know, what builds you up, um, is it, you know, certain interactions with friends? Um, is it, you know, engaging in a certain activity that you enjoy? Um, and I would say, especially since we're talking about like motivation, performance in class, um, I would say just kind of exploring what motivates you could be helpful. Um, you know, so are you motivated by like the degree you're going to get and what's it going to do for you? Or are you motivated by having partners in crime, you know, someone who can study with you or um, make sure you get to class, you know, so really trying to figure out what helps um, and really try and draw on those resources if they're available to you. Yeah. And when you mentioned resources, um, I think, you know, for me, um, as my friends were talking about the other day, like, what's the difference between going to therapy in person versus online? You know, there's like apps like Better Health, Better Available. Do you have anything like, do you think one is better than the other? Um, especially this time of the year, a lot of people are looking in, even if they don't go consistently, just go in to talk to someone, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think any therapy is better than no therapy, especially if someone really needs it. Um, and I uh, have been doing both telehealth online therapy and in-person therapy, and I found both to be helpful and effective. Um, some people prefer one over the other. You know, I've had people prefer telehealth because it's convenient, and I think that's great, you know, especially if someone's struggling to get out of the house, they can do therapy from home. Awesome. Um, and some people really prefer the in-person connection and um, so I don't think one is better than the other. Um, I do think uh, with apps like BetterHelp, um, you know, I just encourage people to really be um, intelligent consumers about that. There have been a couple um, stories that have come out about um, some of those apps and their privacy practices um, and just the way um, you know, therapists are are treated and compensated where um, I kind of encourage people to just like do their research if they're going to use an app for their mental health care, because um, I'm a little less familiar with that. Absolutely. You mentioned normalization and like normalizing going to therapy and mm -hmm. things like that. So for people in, in school, we work in groups, uh, classmates, for people who might be in a group with someone who is struggling with a mental illness. Do you have any advice for those people on how to uh, manage working with those people and understanding and being aware of that mental illness? Mm. Yeah, I love that question. Um, because I do think that, uh, you know, everyone who is struggling with mental illness is not doing that in isolation. You know, they're all part of a community. And I think that, um, yeah, students uh, who aren't struggling with this sort of thing can still um, try and be a support to those who are. Um, 
So I could see, um, you know, anything from, you know, just kind of if you're like noticing a class member, but not necessarily working on a project with them or anything, reaching out, striking up a conversation, you know, sometimes even just like having that initial social connection um, can go a long way. Uh, I know there are like mental health resources on campus, like the counseling center. Um, and so letting people know about those that they exist, I think that can be really helpful um, if there are serious uh, concerns. Um, CSU also has an all hours of the day crisis line that both students struggling and students concerned about other students can call. Um, so that's always an option if people are, are really concerned about someone. Um, and then I think you also mentioned sort of like understanding the mental health issue. And um, so if, you know, if someone's kind of like, maybe, I don't know, not able to like participate as much in a project or that sort of thing. Um, if you know that depression is a part of that, you know, trying to bring some compassion to your approach to them, you might still want to like talk to them about contributing, but, um, you know, just trying to understand that some of that stuff is really tough and, and can be like, you know, biology chemically driven for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, at this point in the semester is again, like kind of like we're talking about today, um, burnout is super prevalent. Can you talk to us a little bit about like what even like the signs of burnout look like? Like, what does that look like in people? Mm, yeah. So um, the idea of burnout in general, I um, I just read uh, that like uh, the idea of burnout came from this metaphor of a flame. And like when a flame doesn't get oxygen or fuel, it kind of like, you know, dies down. It can like smolder maybe, but like the flame can't be there. And I think that like burnout is similar in that like when there's not enough resources coming in, um, it's hard to expend enough energy to like do your best work um, and so I think uh, you know initial signs of burnout might be like if you notice your motivation flagging a little bit um, if it's harder to sit yourself down to study or to do classwork um, you know maybe noticing kind of like uh, how you're feeling about the the classes you're attending, the work that you have to do, if you notice feeling some dread or frustration, you know, I think that can be a sign that you're really just, um, you're hitting that like uh, too much demand to resources uh, kind of equation. So, yeah. Yeah. And with that, you know, if you realize you are getting burnt out, do you have any advice on how to deal with that specifically? Yeah. Um, so one option is to increase resources, you know, um, and so you could, uh, you could kind of try and, um, I would say take stock and see where your need might be, you know, like, do I need more sleep? Do I need, um, some help getting to class? Do I need help understanding the material? You know, I think a lot of times, um, especially like around midterms, you know, people start to kind of develop like a, some frustration, hopelessness um, about their performance. So, you know, seeking out help from uh, classmates, seeking out help from, you know, a TA or your professor potentially. Um, again, just kind of paying attention to how am I eating? How am I sleeping? Like, am I, am I giving myself the the care that I need. Um, I think all those can be helpful. And then again, kind of paying attention to what motivates you and trying to bring more of that on board if you can could be helpful. Yeah, that's wonderful. 
And I think, you know, we were talking about this in one of my classes. Um, this is like a lot of our first semesters back fully after COVID. Mm -hmm. I just took my first in-person test with no, like, help, no nothing. Mm -hmm. Everything is away. Like, I haven't done that since high school. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for a lot of people, a lot has changed since COVID. And with that, you know, people are experiencing, you know, new mental health issues. Like, a lot of my friends are experiencing test anxiety for the first mm -hmm. time. Have you noticed, like, any new mental health issues like arise in students post-COVID? Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I don't know that like I have enough of a of a sample size to yeah. say, um, but I do, um, I certainly can imagine that uh, there was probably an adjustment period to all the, you know, online classes and the isolation of COVID. And as um, things are going back to, you know, quote unquote normal. Um, yeah, of course there would be an adjustment to that too. Um, so yeah, when things are different, uh, we get a little shaken up and we experience anxiety. Um, it takes us a while to get used to things. And so I've had people talk about, you know, being overwhelmed actually by some of the like social demands and the social interaction. And similarly, yeah, if you're in person and you have anxiety about test taking or you have anxiety about being called on in class, all that's going to look really different. So it makes total sense to me that that would be um, a thing that might be emerging for people. So has COVID affected uh, what and or how mental health is educated or is taught? I hope so. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I really do think that um, as a psychologist, I've, I've heard a lot more people just kind of expressing awareness that, um, you know, we are in a bit of a mental health crisis as a society right now. Um, everyone who I've talked to knows somebody who's struggling right now. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've heard a lot of news stories about mental health. Um, I think it's great that you all are, are doing a piece on it. And I think, um, yeah, my hope is that there's a change in the conversation, both again, in terms of normalizing, you know, seeking help, and just also normalizing that this is a hard, hard time in life. And so of course, you know, people would be struggling. So a lot of this has to do, I definitely agree that we have seen a lot more, you know, posts on social media and everything about mental health awareness and uh, making that a bigger deal. Mm -hmm. Do you think that is playing a role in, uh, is having a positive impact on patients? Like you're getting more people uh, coming in? Yeah, well, um, I mean, certainly I think myself and like m most mental health providers in the area and just in general have seen a major increase in demand. Um, and I think, uh, my hope is, and I think, yeah, it's a, it's a likelihood that the normalization and the education about resources is helping, um, in addition to, you know, just the potential for just more people struggling right. as well. So would you say that's a good thing then that oh, people yeah. are coming in that you have an influx? Yeah, I think it's great. I think that, um, just in general, you know, I've seen mental health care be like more and more normalized over time. And of course, that's a good thing. You know, yeah. I think um, there's so many barriers to getting mental health care that, you know, the more help that can be there to get people through the doors when they need it, the better. And what are some of the things, um, you know, Asa will touch on this a little after, but like broad wise, what are some of the things that people can do to help with those mental health issues they're experiencing, like this anxiety or depression? 
Um, is there anything in particular kind of on a broad level? I know we talked about burnout, but like, you know. Mm -hmm. Like what they can do to help themselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when they're going through those times. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, other than going to therapy and seeking therapy and having somebody kind of help you with, you know, the thoughts you're having, the beliefs you might have about yourself, helping you kind of explore what's going on and what options might I have around it. Um, I do think that um, there are a lot of tools out there for kind of like building self-awareness. So there's like some apps where you can track your thought and your mood. Um, some people like journaling. Like I think the more people can kind of build awareness of what am I feeling when this thing that I don't like happens? So what am I feeling when uh, I choose to, you know, stay home rather than going to class? Or what am I feeling when I sit down for a test and, uh, you know, I, anxiety comes over me? Um, what are the thoughts going on in my head? And I think the more people can notice their patterns, they might get some insight into, um, you know, oh, I didn't know that, you know, this was a trigger for me, or this is something I tend to think. Um, and, you know, so a lot of people can kind of do some of that work on their own, though, I think, you know, a therapist can help for sure. Now, this is a very, this community is very outdoors, you know, minded, mm -hmm. and uh, people are riding bikes everywhere. Exercise is a huge deal in this community. Mm -hmm. And what role does that play in mental health, especially for students in this community? Oh, yeah. Exercise is great for mental health. Um, and uh, I, I, I am pretty sure uh, I came across a study that showed that exercise can be as effective in um, treating mental health issues like depression as some antidepressants can be for people. And so um, getting outside, uh, great for mental health, being active. I mean, it really does things biologically in the body that help um, help with things like depression, anxiety, and just help in general with um, our mood. So exercise can affect our bodies on a chemical level mm -hmm. as well, like specifically up in our brains. Yep. That's awesome. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I think that's all my questions. Asa, do you have anything? I'm good. Wonderful. Do you have anything you'd like to add? No, I don't. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like we covered a lot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Thank yeah, you. Thanks yeah. so much for having me. Bike Co-op is an organization whose mission is to build community through bicycling. They provide the tools and expertise to help fix up any bike, new or old. Hours of operation are Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, 2 to 5 p.m., and Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. For more information, check out their Facebook page, For Collins Bike Co-op, 
or email info at fcbikecoop.org. In environmental news, two months into Jackson, Mississippi's water crisis, the Environmental Protection Agency has now deemed that their water is safe to drink. While recent water samples from the two water plants have come back clear, the testing samples for copper and lead haven't come back yet. They are expected to come back in the middle of November. The plants failed back in August due to, quote, after decades of deferred maintenance, end quote. The EPA has said that the people of Jackson, Mississippi, deserve access to clean and safe water, and the EPA is committed to working with state and local authorities to make that a reality in near and long term, end quote. Information from this story comes from CNN. Doctors in the U.S. are now claiming that there may be a link in the increase of neurological disorders like Alzheimer's and exposure to environmental toxins. Some of these toxins are commonly used in the U.S., but are banned in other countries around the world, according to Now This Earth News. The news organization has also said that, quote, figuring out exactly which toxins might correlate to the rise in neurological disorders won't be easy, as humans encounter tens of thousands of toxic chemicals in a lifetime, end quote. In other environmental news, famous paintings are now getting smeared with food by activists who are trying to raise awareness for various environmental issues. Cake has been smeared on the Mona Lisa, and soup was splattered on Van Gogh's sunflower painting. These are just two in a series of paintings that have been vandalized. A climate activist, Chris Saltmarsh, said that, quote, It's superficially radical and disruptive, but is not part of a long-term coherent strategy for building communities in power, end quote. The UN Climate Conference, COP27, is coming up soon. Colin Sterling, who is a professor at the University of Amsterdam, has noticed that usually activism tends to become a little more frequent as these type of events approach. Information from the story comes from NBC. The war between Russia and Ukraine is not over yet, and with winter looming just around the corner, Ukrainians are bracing for a darker winter than normal, as Russia is heavily attacking Ukraine's heating and power infrastructure. In addition to these infrastructure attacks, many are still recovering from missile attacks that hit residential areas. About 800,000 homes are heavily damaged and won't be repaired in time for winter. Monday's missile attack left 80% of Kyiv without water supply and took out a multitude of the area's power infrastructure. And took out a multitude of the area's power infrastructure. The country is seeing extremely low energy demand, but will continue to make energy cutbacks to avoid all-out blackouts. Information from this story comes from CNN. Thank you for listening to my environmental news updates. Now on to national news. Hey, it's DJ Otter Control. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. national news, many states in the country have legalized marijuana, and now five states, including four of the most conservative states in the country, may join in this legalization. 
The states are Arkansas, Maryland, Missouri, North Dakota, and South Dakota. 19 states have already allowed recreational marijuana use, while 37 states allow the use of medical marijuana. The five states will vote on this new legislation this upcoming week during the midterm elections. Information from this story comes from NPR. Last year, 29-year-old Darren Ellis shot a park ranger in Rocky Mountain National Park. On December 8th of last year, a Colorado State Patrol officer pulled Ellis over for speeding, which is when he found out the car was stolen. Then the Rocky Mountain Park ranger spotted Ellis at the Fall River entrance to the Rocky Mountain National Park. He then called for Ellis to show his hands, and that is when he fired a shot at the ranger. The ranger was wearing a bulletproof vest, so he was not seriously injured. Ellis has pled guilty in this case and will serve 23 years in prison. Information from this story comes from ABC. In other national news, an eight-year-old boy, Sam Baker, has become the youngest... In other national news, an eight-year-old boy, Sam Baker, has become the youngest to climb California's El Captain Rock. After four days of guided climbing, Sam Baker and his father, Joe Baker, made it to the top of the rock. The Baker family is from Colorado Springs, Colorado. They are currently documenting their climbing experiences and have a GoFundMe that will ideally support their efforts to make films that can inspire more families to go on adventures with their children. Information from this story comes from the Smithsonian Magazine. Thank you for listening to my national news updates. Now on to Ewan Pert with your CSU Sports News. I'm Ewan Pert, and welcome to this week's RMR Sports Update. Up first, we have Volleyball, who is 17-6 and six on the season now. After a 2-0 week last week, the volleyball team will be heading to San Jose for a game early this week against the San Jose State Spartans before heading to Nevada later this week to play the Wolfpack, hoping for a season sweep against the conference foe. Up next is football, who is now 2-6 and six on the season after a disappointing 49-10 loss to Boise over the weekend. Coach Jay Norvell's team will be headed to San Jose to end their week in order to play the Spartans, a team the Rams have defeated in each of their last four meetings. Up next is men's golf. In the midst of a very successful season thus far, the Rams golf team will be headed to Pebble Beach to play in the St. Mary's Invitational throughout the beginning of the week. Up next is women's soccer, who is 4-7-8 on the season. With a loss to end the season last week, the team season is sadly over. However, star players Liv Layton and Mia Massey earn spot on the All-Mountain West first team for their fantastic play this season. The team will also end up in the record books, recording the second most ties for a Division I women's soccer team in NCAA history. Up next is tennis. The women's tennis team will be traveling to Denver in order to play in the Colorado Cup later this week. After a disappointing show at the ITA Regionals, the team is looking forward to put forward a better result at the end of the week. Up next is women's basketball. The women's basketball team will be having their first and only exhibition game of the season early this week, hosting Colorado Christian for some friendly competition to get their teams right before the season begins. Up next is Women's Swim and Dive, who is now 3-0 on the season. Continuing their strong season with no losses this far in the season, the team is looking to keep going strong with a matchup against Wyoming here in Fort Collins later this week for their senior day. I'm Ewan Pert. This has been your sports update of the week. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review.
I'm Portia Cook with your Fort Collins weather forecast for Thursday, November 3rd. Today was cool and cloudy with a high of 45. You can expect periods of light rain and snow to begin and go on later into the evening. Tonight, you can expect temperatures to continue to drop with a high of 23 degrees. This evening's snow will transition into overnight snow showers with an expected snowfall of around one inch. Friday warms back up a bit with sunny and partly cloudy skies and a high of 45. Saturday continues with sunny and partly cloudy skies with temperatures jumping back up to the low 60s. Sunday continues with partly cloudy skies and a high of 57. As for next week's weather, you can tune in to the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Portia Cook with your KCSU weather report. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just want to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Portia. And I'd like to thank you, Kira. And finally, we couldn't do this without you. Dear listener, thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under news or podcast. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.